These are at chapter number 7, verse number 1. If you are able and willing, I would invite you to stand for the reading and reverence of God's Word. The Bible said, Ezra, chapter 7, verse number 1. Now, after these things, in the reign of Artaxerxes, king of Persia, Ezra, the son of Sariah, the son of Azariah, the son of Hilkiah, the son of Shalom, the son of Zadok, the son of Ahiatub, the son of Amariah, the son of Azariah, the son of Merioth, the son of Zerhiah, the son of Uzi, the son of Buki, the son of uh, Abashua, the son of Phineas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the chief priest. This Ezra went up from Babylon, and he was a ready scribe and the law of Moses, which the Lord God of Israel had given. And the king granted him all his requests according to the hand of the Lord uh, his God upon him. And there went up some of the children of Israel and of the priests and the Levites and the singers and the porters and the Nethanims unto Jerusalem in the seventh year of Artaxerxes the king. And he came to Jerusalem in the fifth month, which was at the seventh year of the king. For upon the first day of the first month began he to go up from Babylon. And on the first day of the fifth month came he to Jerusalem according to the good hand of his God upon him. For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. Let's go, Lord, and word of prayer. Dear Lord, most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, I love you so much, Lord, and I thank you for your many blessings. Thank you for uh, the service we've had thus far. Thank you for the sweet songs of Zion. Thank you for God's people and God wanting to be in church on a Sunday morning. And God, I thank you for visiting with us, letting your presence be known. I pray for a little while this morning you'd help us, God, as we'd gather around your word. I pray, God, that you would uh, be in the midst of us. Help us, I pray. And I pray that you'd be exalted in the remainder of this service. Speak through me. Speak to hearts as only you can. I love you, Lord, and I do thank you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You might be seated. Thank you for standing to reverence the reading. In reverence of God's Word, I, I said a moment ago I'd have to lay a little bit of groundwork or a little bit of a background here in Ezra chapter number 7. I had to go back and go through it, uh, uh, some notes from uh, months gone by, years gone by. When we went through every Old Testament book, I had to go back and uh, uh, rehearse a little bit over my notes on Ezra when we surveyed the book of Ezra. But Ezra is really broken up into two parts. That chapters one through six deal uh, the, the the give a narrative under Zerubbabel. Uh, but in chapter number seven through chapter number ten, we are we find uh, here this is where the shift takes place. Uh, what happens under Ezra happens under Ezra. So the first six chapters. Uh, are dealing with uh, life under Zerubbabel, and then the remaining chapters deal with life under Ezra. So that's where we are. Uh, with God's help this morning, I want to preach on this thought, and the title will make more sense here in a moment. I want to preach this morning on this thought, the mission for more. The mission for more. Uh, two things I want to point out out of these ten verses, and 
I will apologize. It's going to feel a little scattered, a little bit like a plate of spaghetti, Brother Jamie. It's all going to run together, but it'll all make, uh, make sense in the end if you'll just follow along with me. There's two things we got to note here on this mission for more, the mission for more. Number one, we notice the setting. Notice the setting of this mission for more. We find here in Ezra chapter number seven, uh, we find that the, the, the main character of this section of the book is introduced. And we find that Brother Bill not always introduced, it's told what's going on, what year it is, who the king is, who's going, when they left, when they got there. We provide, a setting is provided in verses one through five. I'm not going to read them again. I made it through good the first time. I'm not going to try to repeat it now. But the book called called the book of Ezra, finally introduces uh, us to Ezra. Since we've been reading about and studying in the book of Ezra, now we finally get to meet Ezra. He was a child of captivity. A child of captivity. What do you mean, Brother Jacob? He never lived in Jerusalem. Brother Thomas, he had, was born in Babylon. He lived his whole life in Babylon. Y'all with me? He was a child of captivity. Uh, we, we understand that from his coming from Babylon. And then the Bible tells us he's a descendant of Aaron. I'm, again, I'm not going back to reread all of these names. But if you were to go through these names, you find some popular names of uh, people throughout the course uh, of biblical history, uh, Zadok, Ahiatub, those are some. Uh, those are active in the ministry of David and his son Solomon. And then we find, uh, oh yeah, Phineas and Eleazar. Oh yeah, Aaron, that same Aaron who was Moses' brother. He was, uh, Brother George, He uh, a descendant of Aaron. He was, had been in Babylon his whole life, but his, his ancestry chronicled the Aaronic priesthood. He, uh, can I say it this way? Ezra's great, 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 whatever grandpappy was the very first high priest, chief priest of Israel who uh, helped lead the people out of captivity in the land of Egypt. I'll say, Brother Daniel, it's pretty good to have that kind of ancestry. Would you, would you agree with me there? But one thing I want to note here in this setting is that according to verse number 6, it tells us that he went up from Babylon. He was already scribe in the law of Moses, which the Lord God of Israel had given. Can we take time out? If we're going to be uh, successful in the Word of God, be sound in the Word of God, be familiar with the Word of God, it ain't us that does it. It's the fact that God gave it to us. So somebody say amen there. Uh, praise the Lord for him. But we find that he's going to uh, come up from Babylon. He's going to leave Babylon. So one thing we must note as part of the setting, he would been a part of the second wave of returners. The second wave of returners. Uh, there was a, a wave um, in uh, 536 BC, and then Ezra would lead a second wave in 458 BC, and he was part of that second wave of returners. And I'm going to go and spoil the message. If y'all listen, I'll give it to you. If you'll catch it when I throw it out, uh, I'm going to spoil the message. I'm not preaching about getting a, a second blessing or a second dipping or a double dip of salvation. No, no, no. You got all, you, all the salvation you needed when you got saved. But can I tell you, we've made the first wave. We've made the first step. And can I tell you this morning, we need to take the next step and get in on the next wave. Are y'all hearing me? Uh, the salvation isn't all there is to the Christian life. There must be the next assignment, the next job. And that is what is indicative here of Ezra being that second wave is we need to be people who get on the second wave. Amen. The first wave was led by Zerubbabel, who was a descendant of David. The second wave would be led by Ezra, who was a descendant of Aaron. 
Zerubbabel's returning campaign took place in 536 B.C. And Ezra's returning campaign would take place in 458 B.C. Now, if you were to look up those dates right now, you're going to find some of them say 536 and some say two years off. Two years one direction. You read 458, some say a year or two off one direction. It doesn't really matter. I'm just giving a general statement. Around 536 B.C. was Zerubbabel's time. And around 458 B.C. was Ezra's time. Leading uh, these uh, returns from Babylonian captivity. But, but the, I will note this. The time between these ways was a period of 78 years Give or take. 78, 80 years, Brother Bill, 78 years. You said, what's the big idea about that? I've not lived 78 years, so 78 years is a long time. To me, I think we'd all agree 78 years is a long period of history. Would you agree? Yes. History tells us that some 60 years passed between the completion of the temple and the coming of Ezra. 60 years. They returned from captivity. They were had opposition along the way, Brother Jamie. They finally get the job done uh, some 20 years after they originally returned from captivity. Brother George, it only took them a little over a year to do it, but it took them 20 years to get it done. Right. Yes, sir. Come on. It took them a short amount of time to do it, but it took them 20 years to actually do it. Part of that was them. Part of that was, was their enemies. Would you all agree with that tonight, uh, this morning? But then 60 years pass and nothing happens. Brother Thomas, God sent him back, rebuild the temple, uh, re restore the temple, and get Jerusalem, uh, whip Jerusalem into shape, rebuild your homes, rebuild life, clear out the, uh, uh, the landscaping, rebuild the temple. Brother Ed, they do that. And then 60 years pass and they don't do anything. I'm going to spoil it for you this morning. That's not a good thing. No. Um, I, you said, what are you talking about, Brother Jacob? I've been saved 60 years. Praise God if you've been saved 60 years. i got a question. What have you done in that 60 years? I've been saved 10 years. Praise God you've been saved 10 years. But what have you done in the 10 years? I've been saved 20 years. Praise God. But what have you done in the 20 years? You can add your year in, your the duration of salvation, the timeline of your salvation, the, the, the total of years. But I ask, what have you done since then? Because the reality of the matter is there is this notion amongst Christendom that all God cares about is that you go to heaven. If all God cared about is you getting saved and going to heaven, He would have saved you and took you to heaven That's immediately. Right. But He didn't save us, Brother Bill, and take us to heaven immediately. He saved us and left us here for a purpose. And whether it's been 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, or God forbid 60 years, we shouldn't be doing nothing in the meantime. Nothing monumental happened for some 60 years. And now more was on the horizon. It doesn't matter if it's been 10 years, you've been stagnant. It doesn't matter if it's 20 years, you've been stagnant. 30 years stagnant, 40 years stagnant, 50 years stagnant, 60 years stagnant. More is on the horizon. More, you say, well, what's in my future? Hopefully more is. More. Amen. You've done one thing. You've had one victory, but hopefully you got more on the rise. You say, Brother Jacob, I've got more of my life behind me than I do before me. And that may be true, but as long as you are living and as long as God is on the throne, more can be part of your future. More was on the horizon. Um, I want to mention this. Verse 7 tells us, And there went up some of the children of Israel, and of the priests, and the Levites, and the singers, and the porters, 
And then Ethanim unto Jerusalem in the seventh year of Artaxerxes the king. I'm not going to go back and re-preach because I didn't mention these people groups, these categories in uh, chapter number two. So I'm not going to re-preach it today. But we have Jews in general, priests, Levites, singers, porters, and the Nethanims. People from all different backgrounds, Brother George. Some people were doing high priest work. Some people were assisting high priests. Some people, they weren't even Jews by birth, but they had contract work serving with uh, around the things of God. And then you had singers, you had porters, people who watched the door. You said, Brother Jacob, I'm not following you. You say, well, I'm, I don't get it. Who can actually get in on the more that needed to take place? Would it have to just be priests? No. Did it just have to be priests and Levites? No. Did it have to be just priests, Levites, and Nethanims? No. It just says the of the children of Israel. Who can get in on more? Is it just people with titles? No. But it's people with titles and people without titles. I'm not a preacher. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a deacon. I'm not a teacher. I'm not a singer. I don't play an instrument. I don't have a role. I don't lead a ministry. Whether you have a title or not, you can get on on more. You can be in this mission for more and take that next step, follow that second wave, and do something for God. Uh, because He's done something before. God wants to do some more. He's done some through you. Now He wants to do more through you. You don't have to have a title, a role. Uh, I had a, a preacher friend of mine. Uh, he uh, pastors up in North Georgia, and uh, he had some trouble out of some deacons. Some deacons left, and and he had a man, brother. Ed, he was a deacon to a T. Part who's deacon to a T. I mean, everything. I, I mean, a model deacon, if there ever was one. Right? I mean, he was just he's I mean, he's a perfect deacon. And I said, well, y'all just make him a deacon. He said, well, he's already doing the work of a deacon. He's a deacon to a T. I'm afraid if I ordain him, it'll mess him up. <laughs> And uh, whether he went on to ordain that man, I know not. But here's the truth. Just because you don't have a title don't mean you can't serve God. Uh, just because you have a, don't have a title does not mean that you, you cannot do great things for God and take that next step, take that next wave. Uh, God is interested in lay people. God is interested in the pew sitters. God is interested in those who will make him Lord of their lives. You say, well, he already is. No, 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 no. I'm not asking if he's the Savior of your life. I'm asking you, is he Lord of your life? Y'all with me? Those with titles, those without titles could get in on the more that was about to take place and needed to take place. Would y'all agree 60 years past nothing happened, something needed to happen? The setting, number one. Number two, we see, not only the setting, we see the servant, the servant. We're looking at the mission for more of the servant. Uh, we're, we've already mentioned that Ezra's been introduced to us here, but uh, as we already noted, he was part of that second wave. And the Bible tells us he was a ready scribe of the law of Moses, which the Lord God of Israel had given. He was a ready scribe in the law. I try to look that up and try to equate that to what it was, but... Uh, you may not be a scribe. A scribe's really, he's a recorder. He's a penman. He's chronicling. He, he's writing things down about the law of God. But that, that's not a really great application to us because we, we don't need to write the Bible. We need to read the Bible. Amen. But what, 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 what could we say of Ezra that we could liken ourselves to or our desire to be of ourselves? He was a ready scribe of the law. Can we say this? He was a diligent doctor of the law. A diligent doctor law. You say, well, Brother Jacob, I don't have my doctorate's degree. I'm not asking you to have your doctorate degree. I'm just telling you uh, that it's a shame that we can be more well-versed in anything 
than we are the Scriptures. I love ball. Listen, my wife, y'all pray for her. Uh, there's one th- There's one thing, one of the disputes we have down at the Bay House. She, for whatever reason, Brother Bill, she needs deep prayers. I don't know. She might need, we might need to lay hands on her. One thing she cannot stand is she cannot listen to, listen to a sporting activity on the radio. Uh, she hates it. I mean, I don't know why. I love it. I would rather listen to the Braves on the radio than I would the TV. Amen. We had to listen to the Georgia game a little bit yesterday on the TV, on the radio, as we were we were riding down the road, and she hates it. I mean, it just drives her crazy. And I love ball, but I can't be well more well versed about Brock Bowers and Carson Beck than I am the great God of all heaven and earth. I know a little bit about the Falcons, and it's a little bit depressing. But brother, brother Ed, I can't know more about the Falcons than I do about the great God of heaven. Y'all with me? It's okay to know about uh, political things, but some people know a whole lot about politics, and they don't know anything about God. You can know a lot about anything, and that's okay. Knowledge is a good thing most of the time. But shame on us if we know more about Paul and politics and finance and recreation. Are y'all with me than we do about uh, the God of heaven? Shame on us if we know more about Hollywood than we do the God of heaven. Hollywood never saved me. Politics never saved me. Are you hearing me? Recreation didn't save me. Entertainment's never saved me. But Jesus Christ of Nazareth, he saved me. Amen. He was diligent doctor of the law. I want to know more about my Lord. And how do I know? You say, we sing this song. I want to know more about my Lord. You say, I want to know more about my Lord. Well, you don't sing it if you're not going to do it. Read the word. Listen to what it says and do it. Amen. Diligent doctor of the law. Uh, we were, uh, Brother Bill's class was talking about the different people who were associated around Mars Hill. And it called one of them an, an Aeropagite. It's just, everything he was, was 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 wrapped up in Mars Hill. Everything that this man was, Brother Bill, was wrapped up in Mars Hill until he met Jesus Christ. Amen. And I, I tell you, there's people that their whole lives are wrapped up in cars and guns and hunting and fishing and, and uh, work and in money and politics and country music or, or whatever genre. Y'all hear me? Their life's wrapped up in something and it's not the right thing. You ought to be wrapped up in Jesus. Uh, I think it was the prophecy of Hosea tells that God's people were destroyed by lack of knowledge. Uh, that the Grecians, the Athenians, Brother Bill, they had a whole lot of knowledge in a lot of wrong areas. But God's people, they have a whole lot of knowledge, the same thing, a whole lot of knowledge in all the wrong areas. We need to make sure we have knowledge in the right area, and that is the things of God. He was a diligent doctor of the law. He knew the law. He believed the law. He prescribed the law. He knew the law. He believed the law. He prescribed the law. You've got to know the Word of God, and you actually got to believe the Word of God. Don't be one of these people who say, who say all right, there's people like this, well, I know the Bible says this, but... And what they're doing is they're saying, I believe it, but I don't really believe it. I had a man call me the week, and I'm praying, I'm praying this man, his wife come to church. He's, he's been in a real hard spot. He, he Obviously, he's ran into some Christians who think that because he has been divorced and remarried, that he's just a horrible person, and God hates him now. And this man has been living his life defeated for some time now, Miss Carolyn. Listen, God has standards for marriage. He's even said some things about remarriage. But just because somebody does it wrong doesn't mean God perpetually hates them man are y'all hearing me this morning and you said he called me want to know what i thought about it and yes i don't believe he could get up and and be a pastor of a church 
I don't believe that he could because I believe what the word of God says and not what man says. But you know, that doesn't mean God hates him and God's not okay. And what I had to do is I had to take the word of God and say, this is what the Bible says. And you hear some things we think, but this is what we got to know. This is what the Bible says. And he says, well, I don't know, Pastor. And I was trying to talk to him from the perspective of a minister and as a perspective of a man. And like, look, you got to go on for the glory. I was just trying to encourage him. And God said, quit trying to encourage him. I was like, oh, Lord, I want to encourage him. And I was getting, so the Bible says this, and then I'm just trying to encourage this guy. And God said, hush, hush. My words weren't good. God said, David. Come on. I said, David, Come on, David, 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 David. I said, hey, God just gave me what you needed to hear. He said, David made this. I said, I don't know if it was your fault, your ex's fault, but there's been a mistake made somewhere. Right. And even David, his own mistake, he could ask God, God, restore and be the joy of myself. He had to live with his mistake, but he could go on for the glory of God. And I had to quit, I had to quit describing what I was thinking and what I was teaching, how I understood. And God said, hush up and just give him the book. Hey, just give him the book. Y'all with me? Yeah. I hope him and his wife come to church. Yeah. I hope they get peace. I hope they get restoration. I hope they can have joy again. The joy of salvation. Amen. He believed that he prescribed it. The Bible don't just work for everybody else's family. The Word of God works for your family. Yes. And if it worked for your family, you ought to be telling others that it will work for their families. Amen. Not only was he a diligent doctor of law, he was in good standing with the king. Look what the Bible said in verse 6. And the king granted him all his request. Y'all get the picture? Ezra asked that Artaxerxes obliged it. He was just, well, I, I'm sure Ezra wasn't asking anything unreasonable because if you're unreasonable with kings, it doesn't go well. Amen. But everything, with, uh, everything that Ezra uh, requested, the king obliged him. That's referring to Artaxerxes. But uh, the servant, he was in good standing with the king. In context, this referred to having a good standing or good relationship with the king of Persia. Overall, this ultimately referred to Ezra having a good relationship with not just a king, but the king, the king of kings. Can I just take time out and say something to you this morning? Uh, I, listen, I hope your mom-in-law loves you. I hope your, your family loves you. I hope you're like down at the workplace. I hope people don't hate your guts and hate to see you coming. Okay? I hope people like you. I hope, I, Brother Bill, I really hope they do. I hope they don't say, well, here comes such and such again. Ugh, I hate her. I, hate, I hope that's not your life. But more important than the people at the job liking you and your mom-in-law liking you and everybody at the family reunion liking you and everybody at Christmas and Thanksgiving wanting to see you is that not important what man thinks about you. What does God think about you? And I'm thankful that I have a good relationship with my in-laws and with my parents. I'm thankful I have a good relationship with people in the world. And there are some people who like to be around me and I, I have friends, right? I'm thankful. But more important than having a good relationship with anybody else, I want to have a good relationship with the great God of all heaven and earth. I want my wife to like me. I want my kids to like me. Miss Ginger, but more important than my wife and my kids liking me, I want the great God of all heaven and earth to like me and have a good relationship with Him. If I have a relationship with my wife and my kids but not my God, I'm failing. But if I have a relationship with God, listen, everything else will fall in line. God comes first. He was in good standing with the king. Y'all with me? He was in good standing with Artaxerxes. But I want to be in good standing with the king of kings. And this, this truth's ever apparent because the text expressly tells us that his standing with Artaxerxes was according to the hand of the Lord his God upon him. If you're going to be a good servant of God, be one of these servants who are uh, eligible in the, ra the realm of more 
uh, taking that next step, that next step, riding that next wave of Christendom, we got to have the good hand of our God upon him. You say, I don't know if I have the good hand of God on me. There's only really two options, two, two uh, extreme options. One, you say, well, I'll just default. I don't think there really is a default. It's either the hand of God's on you or the hand of God is against you. Either God's encouraging what you're doing or God is trying to discourage what you're doing. Y'all with me? Yes, sir. So God's hands-off God. No, actually God is very much a hands-on type of God. Hand-on or hand-against. Y'all with me? Uh, he had the hand of God on his life. Verse 9. I know we're jumping around a little bit, but that's okay. That's why the Lord gave it to me. Amen. For upon the first day of the first month, he began to go up to... Uh, he began to go up from Babylon on the first day of the fifth month came he to Jerusalem according to the good hand of his God upon him. He left where he was and he went to where he was going. What can we say about Ezra? He had a mission. He had a mission. He said, well, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I know why some people aren't where they're supposed to be because they're not willing to leave where they're at. Right. I, I heard somebody tell me this just this past week. I know I'm not where I'm supposed to be with the Lord. The reason you, you keep saying that to me month after month, week after week, is because you're not willing to leave where you are and to go where you need to go. Amen. Can I be honest with you? Uh, you're saying, well, is that person in the church? No, they're not in the church today. But if they were, God had me say it, so I'm saying it. They're not here. But can I listen to me? Listen, I would, I, Miss Lorraine, I would be afraid God would kill me. Week one, I'm not where I'm supposed to be with the Lord. Pray for me. Week two, I know I'm not where I'm supposed to be with the Lord. Pray for me. Week number three, I'm not where I'm supposed to be with the Lord. God pray. Y'all pray for me. Fast forward. Year one, year two of the same old. I'd be afraid God would kill me because I am willingly acknowledging I'm not where I'm supposed to be with the Lord. If you're here this morning and you say, I'm not where I'm supposed to be with the Lord, quit talking about it and get right and fall at the feet of the king and seek his mercy. If you're not right with God, then I'm not trying to be mean and hard. But if you're this morning, you're just here and you're just filling an assignment or you're here just to see somebody, or you're just here to say you're coming, but you're not walking with God hand in hand. It's nobody's fault but yours. Get right with him. I promise you it'll be the best life you live. And the world is struggles and trials and heartaches. And it's not all perfect being a Christian. But guess what? You get to walk with the king of glory. You're a lot. You say, I have happiness. You don't have happiness like you could have if you were walking with the king of Israel. He had a mission. He had a mission. He, If you're going to get there, you've got to leave where you're at to get where you need to be. God recruited Ezra to the mission of more, the mission for more. He could not have done what God had raised him to do if he was okay with where he was. You know how that person can tell me week after week, month after month, and going on year after year, I know I'm not where I'm supposed to be. Brother Bill, they tell me those words. I'm not where I'm supposed to be with the Lord. You know why they can keep saying that week after week, month after month, and now year after year? Because they are okay with where they are. That's right. They're okay with where they are. You're never going to get out of the place where you are while you're okay with being where you are. Ezra do not have this problem, but many today have this problem. They are okay with being okay. Let me say that again. Some people today are just okay with being okay. 
Lord, so this, this just came to my mind. If this is gross for you, I'm sorry. All right, you just listen to something positive later. I don't. But there are some people who are like, I'm eating. I'm, I'm spiritually eating. Yeah, yeah, you are eating. You are spirit. I'm still eating. I'm not missing the spiritual. Well, maybe you are, but you're eating in a port of John. Well, it's still good food, and the food's not contaminated. But the environment which you are eating that spiritual food is contaminated. Now we say, well, it didn't touch nothing. I don't want to eat in a porta john. No, sir. That's right. Y'all with me? Are you okay with spiritually living in that environment being okay? No, it's not good. Why didn't touch anything? Your clothes were still in that environment. My marriage didn't get on it, but your marriage was still in the environment. Are y'all hearing me today? Don't you can't be okay with mediocrity, or you'll get mediocrity. Right, right. Come on. If you're okay with carnality, you're going to get carnality. But if you say, I'm not okay with being okay, I want more. I want more from God. I want to walk closer to God. I want to live in His presence. I want to go hand in hand. Miss Carolyn, if we want more, God says, I'll give you more. Amen. People don't want more. They're okay with okay. If you're here this morning, don't be okay with okay. Because if you are, you'll never experience more if you're satisfied where you are. You know how the prodigal could get more? He said, I don't have to live here. Well, I don't got to stay in this hog pen. I don't got to feed these pigs. I don't have to salivate over pig food. He said, I can go home. Listen to me this morning. You're in the pig pen. You're salivating over a hog's food. You're in the stink and the muck of a spiritual bad situation. Get up out the hog pen and go back to Father, and He will forgive you, cleanse you, clothe you, put a robe on you, put a ring on your hand, and have a feast, a celebration for your return. Amen. You'll never have that if you're satisfied in the pig pen. One preacher said, that prodigal son, he dropped his pail, he jumped the rail, and he cut a trail. That's Can I tell you the Spirit this morning? Drop the pail of sin, jump the rail of the pen, and cut a trail to Father, and find, uh, find rest, restoration and forgiveness and joy and peace, and get on the mission for more. He was a diligent doctor of the law. He was in good standing with the king. He had the hand of God on his life. He had a mission. Let me say this, verse 10. He was committed Ezra could rise up from Babylon, lead a, a, a returning remnant, lead a wave out of Babylon to Jerusalem. He could get up on that day and get there on that day. He could lead these people. He could be a man that the, on the mission that he was on. Sixty years had gone by, nothing had transpired. Uh, Brother George, he could lead those people and he could get there and do something about it because he committed because he had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord. Some people's preparation for churches, well, I'm going to hear the message, but I ain't going to hear it. I'm going to read the Bible, but I ain't going to read the Bible. I'm going to listen to the Lord, but I'm not actually going to listen to the Lord. We want to hear God enough, Ms. Carolyn, to know that we're still saved. But we don't hear God enough to say, Lord, you're the Lord of my life. If you're in that way this morning, I pray you. I pray that you would get right with the Lord. I'm telling you, you're missing out. This is the... The Christian life is the only way to live, and it's the best way to die. It's the only way to live, best way to die. He was committed. The Bible said, "For he had prepared his heart to seek the law, of, uh, seek the law of the Lord, and to do it." I know y'all know this, but maybe somebody's here. Uh, 
Maybe somebody needs to hear it. Maybe somebody who will listen to this message by way of internet, maybe they need to hear this. We are recording the message. I'm going to say, whoever needs to hear this, whether it's presently or in the future days when they hear this message, i got to say this. i got to say it. Y'all with me? Do not for a minute think that you're living a good life because you're not. You're not. Living your life in such a way that you believe that this is just a book of suggestions is a way to derail and shortchange your life. If you look at the Bible, I'm going to to preach it while I'm here. Y'all okay? If you look at the Bible to, to you that this Bible is just a book of suggestions, okay, it's just a book of suggestions, not a book of commands, it's a book of suggestions. The people behind you are going to say, well, I don't know only do I think it's not a suggestion, I think it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Come on. And they think it's crazy. The next generation will say, that's just nonsense. Because right. there's, pro- there's a progression. People are going to pass. If, 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 if me and Macy raise their boys and say, hey, I know the Bible says this, but we're not going to do that at our house. Shh, don't say nothing about it. <laughs> what we're doing is teaching them that the Bible's not as important we say that it is most of the time. I'm not saying we're perfect and everything in our life. Listen, I'm glad we got a private life. Y'all got a private life. Aren't y'all glad of that? But we cannot, we cannot cover up sin in our, on our home under the guise of whatever. Right. Come on. Because what that does would be to shortchange the Scriptures. Right. They may not understand it, but I'm having to teach them now a little bit more and more. It's not because mom and dad said so. It's because God Amen. said so. Yes, Whether that application applies to you or not, I hear this morning, don't look at the Bible as a book of suggestions it's a book of commands to do them he prepared his heart to seek the law of the lord and to do it and to teach in israel statutes and judgments you cannot teach statutes and judgments if you do not first of all obey them yourself you cannot teach others the book if you don't live the book let me say that again why would i expect my children to believe what i have to say about the gospel of jesus christ go with me if I reject everything else Paul taught. Listen to what I say about the gospel, but I'm not going to listen to what the gospel is supposed to do to me. Yeah, the gospel will save you, but it also transform, it's supposed to have transformed me. Y'all, y'all with me this morning? He's committed. He was dedicated to the mission. And more. I close. This is my closing application. Remember, I told you this message would be like a plate of spaghetti. It's kind of all intertwined. But uh, the goal is, is those spaghetti's intertwined, it still tastes good at the end, all right? So that's what I'm hoping for here. But if not, we'll be all right. I'm doing the Lord's business. That's right. On, the closing application. What is the mission for more? I've alluded to it. In Ezra's case, he was coming onto the scene after 60 years of inactivity. Stagnant. Just total... Oh, stagnant, 60 years, nothing. The temple's been rebuilt, and then history tells us of it, in Jerusalem, nothing monumental being done for God. What is the mission for more? Ezra chapters 1 through 6 focused on an assignment. What was that assignment? Rebuild the temple. Rebuild the temple. Rebuild the temple. And what happens is they, they I'm, I'm getting ahead of they, they finish that first task, and then they stopped aiming at something. Listen to me, if you aim at nothing, you hit it every single time. 
Their goal was rebuild, 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 and then they they rebuilt. And brother Ed, they didn't ha- they didn't think of anything to aim at next. I'm gonna spoil it. They've been single focused on the work of God, and then they finished that work of God, and then they never they never thought to shift to focusing on on not from a work for God, but a walk for God. Rebuild the temple. That task was completed. And then some 60 years passed. But God had more for them to do. There was another job to do. There was more progress to be made. Enter Ezra. Under Zerubbabel, one task was done. But now another task needed to be done under the administration of Ezra the scribe. The second wave that he was part of launched the second assignment, the next step, the second wave, the the more of this message. Under Zerubbabel, they would rejoice in rebuilding. And thank God, we ought to rejoice. We ought to celebrate. But under Ezra, they would get settled in the Scriptures. Let me say that again. Under Zerubbabel, they rejoiced in, in rebuilding. But under Ezra, they would get settled in the Scriptures. Can I just tell you, I want to interject something here. I love good old-fashioned worship. I love to see people stand up, shout, praise the Lord, tears run down. Y'all with me? I love it. I, I love it when they shout and run the aisles and, and praise the Lord and clap and cry and laugh and, and just worship. Y'all with me? I love that. I love it. But I, I have a big problem with churches and preachers who want all the shout. They want holy service. But they don't want holy living out there. I got a big fat problem with that. That's right. Yes, sir. A big fat problem. Worship God. Praise God. Listen to me. Don't do it. Don't show it in here if you don't show it out there. That's how I feel. Y'all with me? No, shout on, shout on. Praise God. Rejoice. But I'm telling you, let your let your shout in here match your shout out there. Woo, good preaching, Brother Jacob. Under Ezra, they rejoiced in rebuilding. Under Ezra, they would get settled in the Scriptures. Under Ezra, they would love the truth. But under Ezra, they would live the truth. Amen. There's a difference. Y'all believe that? I love the Bible. I love the Bible. I love, I love church. I, I, I love, love it, one thing, but living it's another. They love the truth. Oh, yeah, yeah, I love the truth. Yeah, that, that King James. I love that King James Version. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I love it. But instead of just loving the King James Bible, why don't you live it? I, I love the words of Jesus, you know. I love them. It's great words, great words. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said, hush with all that mess. He says, not the ones that love me. Jesus said, it's the one who loves what I say. It's the ones who do what I say. Amen. Under Zerubbabel, they loved the truth. Under Ezra, they would live the truth. We need to celebrate victories. That's a picture of under Zerubbabel. But we also need to grow in grace. I can take you, I could take you to a place now. I could take you to uh, I could go through a list in my mind right now. If you've got people, they will be the first to shout in a service. The first to shout in a service, to raise their hands, stand on the pew, run the tops of the pews, run the aisles. And I'm okay. I'm, I'm for it. I'm for worship. I'm for it. And they, they've been shouting like that for years. Praise God, right? Here's the problem. I've known some of them for 10 years. And they're, the st- they're still the spiritual babe that they were today as they were when I met them. Well, they're shouting and worshiping. 
Well, they need to stop shouting and worship and start getting in the book. And let their shout and their walk line up with one another. Because when you have all shout and no walk, what are you to the world? A hypocrite. If you got all walk and no shout, what are you to the world? A hypocrite. But when you're walking and you're talking and saying the same thing, that is true, that is stability, that is right, that is indicative of what a child of God should be. Y'all with me? We need to grow in grace. We need to... I don't want to tell some people what they need to do. And I, you say, well, this is harsh. I've had somebody tell me this before, so I'm not going to say it publicly whether you need to hear it or not. Maybe you've already heard it. But it was a good day in my life when somebody I looked up to spirits pretty much said, you just need to grow up. Mm-hmm. Now, what are talking about in life? Right. Come on. I've been married since I've eight, I was 18. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like I, 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 he, what was what he was talking about? He was talking about I need to spiritually grow up. I tell you that you're here today and you've been saved five years, 10 years, 15 years, 25 years, 35, whatever the number is, and you're still a baby Christian. That's not your fault. That's not my fault. That's not Brother Tommy Payne's fault. That's your fault. Amen. 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 We've got to grow in grace. We've got a spirit to grow up. You know, we look at these children who are young in the faith or maybe they're not even saved yet, and we say, well, that's one thing for them because, number one, they're baby Christians or they're not even in the faith yet. And we say they don't know any better yet. Mm-hmm. But you got people who should know better and don't know better. Spirits will grow up. It was a good day in my life. It'll be a good day in your life. And you say, oh, you're thinking your spirit's mature. No, no, no. God's still working on me. I'm still growing. You, you say, can I throw something at you? Philippians chapter number 3, it'll help you. It'll change your life if you'll read Philippians chapter number 3. Not only read it, but live it. The apostle Paul said, he said, Brethren, I count not myself to apprehend it. You know Paul's saying? I'm not there yet. Philip, I'm not perfect. He said, well, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things that are ahead. He said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul said, I'm not there, but brother Ed, he was still heading there. He said, I, there, I, there, I have some sum in my past, but he was still headed for more. The mission for more. God wants us to be people who praise, but he also wants us to be people who thrive. Amen. Before Ezra came, they had God-honoring walls, but they did not have God-honoring walks. I like that. I think I'll say that again. Before Ezra came, they had God-honoring walls, but they did not have God-honoring walks. Shame on us. We just have a nice place, but we don't have a right walk. Miss right. mm-hmm. Macy, would you come? I close with a few questions. A few questions and a statement. That's how I wrap up. Miss Macy and her assistant Jackson are coming to the piano. They had God-honoring walls, but they did not have God-honoring walks. One commentator said that they had temple walls, but they didn't have temple worship. I think it's bigger than temple worship. I think they didn't have temple lifestyle, really. They had God-honoring walls, but they didn't have God-honoring walks. Here's my questions. A few statements of questions. Maybe you have enjoyed some spiritual triumphs in your life. And I pray you have. I pray you, when we sing victory in Jesus, that means something to you. Miss Carolyn, you, you spelled the victory of being set free from sin. 
You, Brother Thomas, you know the victory of the provision of God. You know the victory of the... I hope you know that. I hope you know triumph in your life. You've experienced those triumphs. I pray you have. But more importantly, have you lived triumphantly? It's one thing to experience triumphs. It's a totally different thing to live triumphantly. To experience triumph is to say, man, God did it. To live triumphantly is to live every day and saying, what a God, what a Lord, what a Savior. And if our mind is ever fixated, Brother Ed, on Him, it'll make us walk different. It'll make us live different. It'll make us talk different. It'll make us parent different. It'll make a spouse different. It'll make us work different. It'll make us attend church different. Y'all hearing me today? I'm sure you appreciate the Lord and what He's done in your life. But are you honoring Him with your life? You've started started to take the path of some. Will you start the mission for more? say this so I'm not special you don't have to be Ezra started the mission for for more just as he was just where he was just when it was don't make excuses well I'll start at New Year's no you won't I'll start Christmas no you won't if you're going to start the mission for more you got to start today if you don't start today you'll be like that person who keeps telling me week in week out month in month out now year in and year out I'm not where I'm supposed to be with the Lord if you want to fix that fix it you got to start just as you are right where you are just when it is I encourage you today to do the same. Start the journey towards a joyous, surrendered, God-honoring life today. Let's stand to our feet. Maybe God spoke to your heart about something, challenged you about something, convicted you about something. Why don't you come talk to Him about it? Maybe God said, your life. He was talking about your life. He was talking about your walk. And you've just been kind of doing this Christian thing. And God said, quit being ish. Don't be church-ish. Don't be saved-ish. Don't be Christian-ish. Just be a Christian. Be a child of God. Don't just kind of walk with God. Walk with God. The Bible tells us, how can two walk together except they be agreed? Are you walking with God today? I have gave you my heart. I want you to get in on that mission for more. Miss Macy's going to play. You do business with God. Others have come. Would you come?